Hi, and welcome to the LifeSpring Why Christmas Show, number eight. As I record this episode, it's already Christmas Eve in some parts of the world, and I thought that this would be a perfect time to share some of the Christmas memories that folks recorded and sent in to us here. You know, Christmas is many things to many people, beyond the main reason for the season, the celebration of the birth of Jesus, which we've spent several episodes talking about and which tomorrow's show will certainly be focused upon. For much of the world, Christmas is a common touchstone for us, the one day of the year that we all look forward to and cherish. It's the date on the calendar that is consistent. Different nations have different national holidays, and there are 365 different days of the year that birthdays are celebrated, but Christmas is the same for us all. December 25th is a day where we stop, gather the family around, and bask in the joy and hope and the love. Over the years, we build up memories of this special day. We might remember our first bicycle, our first train set, maybe our first puppy, our prettiest Christmas tree. The list could go on forever. And then there are the bittersweet memories. This year will be our very first year without my father-in-law, who went to be with the Lord just three short months ago. You'll hear a little more about that in just a few minutes. So, with all the hustle and busyness that you might still be in the midst of with those last-minute shopping trips, or as you're preparing for the Christmas meal that you'll share tomorrow with your family and loved ones, let's listen to some memories from a few LifeSpring Why Christmas listeners. First up is a friend of mine, Jeff Roney. Hey, Steve, this is Jeff Roney from Roney's Own Productions at jrdonline.com, and uh, we have a few cool shows, but I am uh, here to give you my Christmas memory. Uh, I just want to say just a few seconds, it's been really great uh, getting to know you and your wonderful wife, and I met your son uh, there at the New Media Expo in Ontario, and uh, I've been a fan of your show for a long time. Thank and, you, Jeff. Uh, it's been really great to get to know you. And anyway, continued success with your show. And uh, my Christmas memory is the yearly trips to go see the Christmas lights. Um, there is a large group, and and I know I'm mentioning cities that people are going to go what. But anyway, here in California, there is a large number of homes in the Chino area where a whole neighborhood of people get together and they decorate their homes. And so there is this kind of trek every year for people to come and park their cars and walk uh, or, you know, they can drive through. But mostly it gets so packed that you just have to park ways away and then walk over and see the lights and I got to tell you that that is, I think, the the greatest memory I have is just to kind of realize that people take so much time to celebrate this time of year. And uh, I know what this time of year means to me, but it's interesting that people, uh, no matter what they believe, they know that it's an important time of year. And I think that speaks strongest to me. Anyway, uh, that is my Christmas memory, and uh, Steve, uh, just continue the, the great work that you do on your show, and uh, much love to uh, your family, and, and may you have just the greatest uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's ever. This is Jeff Roney uh, from uh, jrdonline.com. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Jeff. That was really nice, and I live not too far from there myself, and uh, I've taken my kids over to the Chino area to see those houses as well, so that's a shared memory. Next up is a memory from Gabe. Gabe is one of the co-hosts of the show God's Mac, which is a great podcast on 
the Macintosh computer juxtaposed with uh, faith in God. Gabe, what do you have to say? My special Christmas story took place back in 2004. My wife and I had the opportunity to coach um, a young girl uh, on her basketball team. And this young girl was the daughter of uh, Reggie White, the NFL uh, Hall of Fame football player for the Green Bay Packers. Many know Reggie White as an ordained minister. His nickname was the Minister of Defense. Uh, So he was known uh, just as much about his faith as he was his his football game. Um, but we we had the chance to coach his daughter, and he would show up at the games on Saturday, and and he and his family were just you know really nice to all the fans and the kids that were playing. Um, but we got the chance to to hang out with uh, him and his family after he had retired from football, and he let it you know let us into his house. Um, but one thing I, I recognized about Reggie was that he took time. Uh, uh, to study God's word, and he had heard it so much his entire life. And as an ordained minister, um, he had just left, um, you know, one of the highest positions that that people admire these days as a professional athlete. And he left that game, and his focus was always on the Lord while he was playing. But when he left, he he went back, and and at home he was studying just as much as he would practice for football. He was studying more. Um, Um, an original language. He wanted to learn Hebrew for himself. So he had connections over in Israel and and people that were were tutoring him and and he was studying, you know, all sorts of of books. Um, He had original scrolls and things that that he was researching and things like that. But he he spent some time and he he sat down with me and just showed me what, you know, what God was doing in his life. Um, But uh, the way this ties in with Christmas is... um, Many of you know that, that Reggie White uh, passed away from sleep apnea on uh, December 26 of 2004. Well, that um, fall, up up until Christmas, my brother and my wife um, were planning to get me a special gift for Christmas. And uh, during that, that season of the year, they got in touch with uh, Reggie and his family. And, and Reggie, what he did is he signed one of his, his jerseys, his Green Bay uh, Packers football jerseys, and uh, sent it up to my my brother and my wife, and they packaged it up and and uh, put it in this in this large frame that's sitting right above me right now on my desk, and uh, it's got a little um, plaque on it. But they didn't know um, when they were giving me that gift that it possibly was his last autograph that he was going to give to one of his fans. Um, so you can imagine me waking up on Christmas morning of 2004, December 25th, and opening this jersey, and the next morning uh, turning on ESPN and finding um, finding out that he had passed away um, the morning after Christmas there in 2004. So it was really an honor for me to, to open that present and uh, to keep it here on my desk just as a challenge for me to always follow the Lord and to be a man of God above everything else, above my profession, and especially this time of the year to, to realize what he, he, he did for us and God sent his son for us. Wow, what a special memory. Thanks, Gabe. Next up is, uh, this is a sort of a Christmas memory from a friend of mine by the name of Todd. Jersey Todd, you might know him as if you're a podcast listener. And uh, Todd is from, obviously, from the New Jersey area where I spent uh, a year when I was a little kid. And so uh, (laughs) we have that to share. Uh, But uh, listen to this. You'll like this, I think. 
Hey, Steve. It's Jersey Todd. And uh, as a nice Jewish boy from Jersey, <laughs> uh, I don't celebrate Christmas. I, in fact, celebrate Hanukkah, or as my grandfather used to call it, Hanukkah. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I, I love what you're doing with the Christmas memories, and I think that there's something universal about this time of year. Uh, to me, as a, as a father of a three-year-old and a uh, eight-month-old, there's there's something universal in seeing the joy that children feel at this time of year, the excitement, the expectation, um, and the the feeling that you have when you share time together with family and create memories. And whether or not you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, I think that this time of year is a very, very special year, and I, I wish the best to you and all of your listeners. Take care. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, God bless you, um, my Jewish brother. For those that don't listen to my, my normal Lifespring show, you might want to go back and listen to the show that I did this week. I talked to a gal by the name of Michelle Gold, who uh, was brought up Jewish as well. But uh, that's a good show, and I think you might enjoy that. So take a listen to that. That's uh, What would that be? Lifespring number 157. But Todd, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. Now, you may have noticed that thus far, the comments that we've gotten have been from other podcasters. Well... I am so honored to have gotten a call from just a civilian, uh, and I don't mean just, but a civilian. You know, a lot of us podcasters, we love any chance that we get to say something on a microphone and uh, have somebody else hear us. But um, this woman, I, I think that her name is Lily. It's a little bit hard to make out in the very beginning, but uh, she's got really something uh, good to say, and it's actually um, a, a tradition that we have uh, in our own family that was started by Leanne, but I'll let Lily tell you about it. Hello, my name is Lily Oliver, and I'm calling about your Why Christmas memory. I don't have a particular memory about a Christmas, but I do have something to share with you that I think that you might want to spread the word on. It's something that I, I ran into a couple of years ago. Someone was telling me the way that their family uh, celebrated Christmas decorating the tree. And what, she, what happened with this family is the mother would record a memory every year of, you know, the most memorable thing that happened to her children from the time that they were born for that year, and she would turn it into an ornament, either a picture or writing or whatever it took, but turn it into an ornament to remember whatever most memorable thing happened to them that year. So over the years, as things, as she continued this on, and they became teenagers and, and young adults and things of that sort, decorating the Christmas tree was a very, very wonderful and special time in that they remembered, you know, their past, like, you know, like like opening up a diary, they got to look at their past and, and see what some of the changes that they've come about them over the years, and some of the memories were sad memories, some of them were funny, you know, uh, some of them, you know, was just, um, just, you know, everyday memories of, you know, like a graduation or something like that, so it was really a nice time to decorate the tree, and it brought the family together, and this particular woman who was telling me about her story was excited about going home and decorating the tree with her children, so she passed the the same tradition on to the the next generation. So it's like, you know, she had some of her mother's memories, she had her memories, and then she started the whole thing with her own children. So I thought maybe you might want to take that story and, you know, spread the word and share that with uh, your listeners. Hope you enjoy. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you so much for sending that suggestion in. That's a good tradition. It's one that uh, Leanne does around here. Every year she'll try to find a, an ornament that kind of sums up one of the big events in the lives of uh, the kids. And she'll, you know, get something for each of the kids that they'll be able to take on with them as, as they grow and start their own families. And they'll be able to look at them and be reminded of 
you know, what, what happened at that particular year in their life. So that's a good one. Next up is Carmen Tyler. Last year, she recorded uh, a Silent Night for us, and this year she did O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and uh, she's become a friend. She's a wonderful singer, as you've heard, but she's also an actress. She used to live in Texas. She's now moved out to Burbank, and she's pursuing her show business career, and it's wonderful to have her as a neighbor, practically. So she's become a friend, and I'm honored by that. So, Carmen, what have you got for us? Hey, Steve. It's Carmen with the Carmen Cast. Um, my favorite Christmas story, well, the one I always think about, um, because it's still so poignant in my mind, is when I was about 10 years old, my grandmother came down to Texas to um, stay with us. And that was really unusual because she lived in Arkansas and she had arthritis really bad and it was really hard for her to get around. She'd had several surgeries and things. And so she um, just wanted to come down, and we were all so excited. And so my mom and dad had given her um, their bed to sleep in. And, of course, I wanted to sleep with Grandma because she was so cool, and and I loved her a lot. And so um, after all the festivities were over Christmas Eve, and we um, got into the bed, and we were laying there, and I heard something. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, I don't know. Maybe it's Santa Claus. And and I said, should I go see? And she's like, no, just just wait and just let's just see what's going on. And then I heard something else, and it sounded like something that was outside. And um, I was like, oh, my goodness, maybe it's Rudolph. And she said, well, go check. And so I looked out the window, and I could have sworn up and down that I saw something red flashing in the sky. And um, it wasn't our house lights, but it was something. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it's it's Rudolph's nose. I just know it is. And so my grandmother looked and she was like, eh, but that is Rudolph's nose. And I was just so excited, of course. And um, so my heart was beating fast. And we went back to bed. And, of course, I tried to go back to bed and it was too hard. And I finally did, you know, go back to sleep. But the next morning we woke up and I went into the living room and I looked in the fireplace. And, of course, there was this big boot print where Santa Claus had been there, you know, and all the Christmas presents were there. And I was so excited. And I was telling everybody, I saw Rudolph last night. I saw his nose. So I saw him leaving. And oh, my goodness. And I was just so excited. But of course, when you're little, your willing suspension of disbelief is very high and everything. But I remember that um, specifically because it was um, so special to have her at our house. And um, it meant a lot to me. Um, she passed away when um, I was early into college, and she was my last surviving grandparent, so it was really tough. And so I really try to cherish those moments that I um, can remember, and that that's what I remember, my favorite Christmas, just having her there and um, seeing Rudolph's nose off in the distance. Yes, that happened to me many times when I was a little kid, too. I would look out there and be convinced that I could see that little glowing red nose as well, so... Who's to say that it wasn't, Carmen? Who's to say that it wasn't? That reminds me of another tradition that we have around here, Um, especially when the boys were smaller. We would uh, actually find out in the morning, we'd go out in the front yard, and we would see that evidently Santa Claus had fed some of his reindeer in our front lawn because we would see some um, like shredded wheat-looking type crumbs uh, in the the grass or on the driveway. And so, uh, yeah... Santa Claus always fed his reindeer in front of our house. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have some uh, very special guests. Before I start this, I think I should tell you that Leanne's family, when she was a little girl, consisted of her mom and dad and five kids, including Leanne. Just keep that in mind. Five kids. I have the lovely lady Leanne, my wife, and Timothy, my youngest boy, 
to come in and share their favorite Christmas memories. So, who wants to go first? Mom! Okay, I guess I'm going first. My favorite Christmas memory in my childhood was when we were living in North Carolina. I was probably in fifth grade, and we were coming home for Christmas because my dad was in the service, and we were out there in North Carolina. Anyway, it was a drive across country. We had, I think, three weeks to stay here total, and we drove across country with a cat and a dog in the car, and we were visiting my grandparents. Both sets of grandparents lived in Long Beach at the time, and so... California. California, sorry. So my mom's grandparents had Christmas Day at their house, and we would go there with my great-grandmothers and my grandmother and grandfather, and um, that Christmas we got to come out here and spend time with them, and Grandma Helen took us, and Grandpa Lloyd took us to Disneyland. So that was a lot of fun, because as a kid, I went maybe once every four years whenever we got to come back out here. So that was a fun experience, and Grandma Helen bought us all big, nice, fluffy coats, because North Carolina got very cold. It actually snowed, and we built a snowman. But um, So she bought us these white coats that came about to the middle of our thigh, and they had big gold brass buttons, and they looked like... I don't know, somebody shot the dog or something, but they're big white fluffy coats, and we love those coats. And so on the way home that year, it was freezing cold, and we had the cat and the dog in the car, and we were in Arizona, and we were getting ready to leave in the morning to get back in the car and head back towards North Carolina, and all of a sudden we got panicked because the cat was missing. Now, Cat had no other name than Cat. He had all kinds of names, but we called him Cat. And so the entire family began to scour the motel complex there in Arizona. I don't remember what city, but it was freezing cold, and we were all out in our new coats looking for the cat, yelling, Here, Cat! Here, Cat! And driving everybody else in the motel crazy, I'm sure, because these five kids were going all over this motel calling for the cat at 7 in the morning. Well, we finally gave up and decided that the cat was done, and we were never going to find the cat, and so we just have to head back to North Carolina without cat and just prissy our dog alone. When we got back to the hotel room, we were locked out of the door, and so we looked down, and as we're trying to figure out how to get into the motel room door, we looked down, and there sat the cat inside the nice warm motel room, hiding between the window and the curtain. So that was our craziest Christmas that I can remember. That was my favorite childhood Christmas. That's funny. All right, Timothy, what about you? What's your favorite Christmas memory? Probably um, when my grandpa was still alive, we would always go over to Grandma and Grandpa's house for Christmas Eve, and um, we would always open up presents, and Grandpa would always hand the presents out. I guess you could call him our Santa Claus. So. Yeah, this is going to be their first year without Grandpa Rip, and so that's a nice memory to have. That's very sweet. That's it? Oh, yeah. And one one year, that's when we got our little Shih Tzu Sparky. Um, my mom and dad showed us a video of when they went to go get him. And the lady's name was Virginia. But I thought they went to Virginia to get the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they flew there in one night and then came back the next morning and showed us the tape. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that. Oh, that's funny. Sparky was a dog that we got the year after my grandfather died, Grandpa Lloyd, because he had left us a little bit of money, and so we knew that Sparky would be 
something that the boys could love and remember forever and remember Grandpa Lloyd because of Sparky. Okay, so now we've talked about two dead grandfathers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Christmas of dead grandfathers. Oh, that's sad. I think I might even just leave that part out. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. And I think the Christmas that is most memorable to me, I was just a little guy. I don't even remember exactly how old I was, maybe four or five years old. And we went back to Arkansas, and uh, that's where my great-grandfather lived. It was my mother's mom's dad. And we all went back there, uh, my mom and dad and me, actually my, my stepdad, you've heard me talk about on the show if you listen to the Lifespring show. And uh, my mom's parents, so my grandmother and grandfather, went back to Arkansas to the homestead. And as it turned out, it was a huge um, family reunion. Um, I don't know how many people were back there, but there were uncles and uh, aunts and cousins that I had never seen. Second cousins, third cousins, fifth cousins, who knows. But uh, my great-grandfather, we called him Grandpa. uh, But my great-grandfather at the time was like 85 years old. And I don't think I had ever seen anybody that old. And he was a very thin man, and uh, age had not been kind to him. And so he was scary looking to me, but he was the coolest guy. He had this, literally, it was a log cabin that he still lived on. At one time, he owned much of uh, the area that he, I mean, he owned, used to be hundreds of acres, but as he got older, he sold off the acreage and, you know, just lived on on that money. And uh, in Arkansas at the time, I don't know what it's like today, but back then, real estate was pretty cheap. And so he was never wealthy by any means, but um, he had farmed this area and uh, he was too old to farm anymore and he just had the homestead left. And I remember there was a a, a, a potbelly stove in the middle of the front room and Boy, the front room, I'm, I'm the the living room, whatever you want to call it, was small. I think uh, it couldn't have been any more than uh, maybe 15 feet by 15 feet. I mean, <laughs> you think about Arkansas being back in the sticks and you know the the, the hay, you know, hanging out of the corner of your mouth. You're pretty close to what it was like back then. But uh, he still had his tractor, and I remember that Grandpa would uh, set each of the kids, uh, the grandkids and great grandkids on his knee and let us, we thought, we were driving the tractor. Of course, he was uh, holding onto the wheel and he was pushing the pedals, so we we weren't really, but uh, boy, to a, a kid that had never left the city, I felt like, boy, I am driving this here tractor. <laughs> and it was so fun. But also, we cut a Christmas tree um, that was growing there on his property somewhere. Uh, we, The whole family took off to go find the perfect Christmas tree and I remember it was a, a rainy, rainy morning, and well, not raining hard, but just kind of a, a heavy mist or drizzle, and uh, that Arkansas soil, when it gets wet, turns into this just red, mucky, sticky, mud, clay stuff, and uh, being so small, I think I almost sunk in up to my knees, and it was just miserable, but it was so exciting to go out and find the Christmas tree and every every one of the kids got to um, you know take a whack with the axe or I don't remember if we used an axe or if, if they were using a saw but we got to contribute a little bit to the cutting down of the tree and uh, so I remember that very very clearly uh, as far back as that was I'm 53 now so you know you're talking almost 50 years ago but I remember it like it was I don't know maybe day before yesterday lots of fun Oh, my great-grandfather was quite a guy. Uh, even at that age, he could uh, shoot the squirrels uh, at, at 100 yards with his uh, twenty-two. He was amazing. I remember we went out squirrel hunting that weekend, and uh, or that week, and 
Uh, he bagged his fair share of squirrels. So uh, I was always impressed with that as well. So that's my favorite Christmas memory. Then I'm going to let another very fond Christmas memory take us out today. Tennessee Ernie Ford was very popular when I was a small boy. You may know the song 16 Tons. Well, he also had one of television's first daytime talk shows. He had some of the most popular stars of the day on his show, and he also did some really funny characters. And as a small boy, I just loved watching this man, who in so many ways seemed like just a country bumpkin, but he could also sing with this beautiful bass voice. I've got uh, some of his gospel albums in my vinyl collection sitting right behind me now that I, I just cherish. Anyway, this recording that I'm playing for you is pod safe, and I believe that it is from one of his TV shows. What he's done, it sounds like he's brought some of his friends into the studio to sing some Christmas carols with him. Take a listen. Good evening. I hope you're all having the happiest Yuletide season ever. I'm glad you could drop by tonight and join us for a little caroling up and down the neighborhood. Caroling, caroling, now we go. Christmas bells are ringing. Caroling, caroling through the snow. Christmas bells are ringing. Joyous voices sweet and clear. Sing the sad of heart to cheer. Marky well the songs we sing, glad some tidings now we bring. Ding dong, ding dong, Christmas bells are ringing. Let's go on down the street to some more houses. Come on, here we go. Let's do uh, deck the halls. Huh? Right. Here we go. Deck the halls with bells of holly. Ta la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Ta la 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 la. Another, another fa-la-la of okay. oh, the whole course of Deck the Halls. Okay, okay. ready? <laughs> Deck the Halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Don't we now our gay apparel, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Troll the ancient Yuletide carol. Troll the ancient Yuletide carol. Troll the ancient Yuletide carol. Let's do Hark the Herald Angels Sing. 
All right. Thank you, Ernie. Well, my co-host, James Cooper, and I will see you on tomorrow's show. Thanks for joining me today. And, of course, links to the music can be found on the show notes page at lifespringwhychristmas.com. This is Steve Webb. Have a Merry Christmas. I'll talk to you tomorrow. LifeSpring Media, bringing you quality Christian and family entertainment since 2004. Brought to you in part by InTouchProductions.com.